Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This is Something Rhymes with Purple. My name is Giles Brandreth, and I'm sitting in the kitchen of my friend, the lexicographer... Susie Dent. Lovely to be with you again, Susie, and thank yes, you very thank much, you. if I may say so, for these delicious, chewy and sweet mini flapjack bites. You're very welcome. Susie and I, when we meet, we usually talk about life, about love, we often talk about sex, because talking about it is all we're able to do. <laughs> we very rarely talk about the weather. I know, which that is great intriguing. British subject. I'm just glancing at your lovely garden here. There's sun and there's wind. It's very windy. I brought my umbrella today. The rain, yes, it the rain and sunshine mix. You know what the oh, lovely South African saying for that is? What and is nobody it? knows where it comes from. But if it's raining and it's sunny, there might be a rainbow in the sky. It's called a monkey's wedding. A monkey's wedding. Isn't that great? You know the poem. The rain, it raineth every day upon the just and unjust fella, but more upon the just, because the unjust hath the just's umbrella. Wow, that's a mouthful. Now, I, I'm wanting some phrases to do with the weather, and I want you to, if you don't mind, if it's not too boring to talk about the weather. I quite mm. like talking about the weather. Mm-hmm. People do talk about the British people talk about the weather. I don't know if other people do. No, we do. But I think that's partly because of our geographical position, in that it's often freezing, and there's so many words up and down the country for being cold. Oh, um, such so as? So, would you say nesh? Feeling a bit nesh? No, I wouldn't, but I've heard Shrand. it. Where's it come from? Um, well, just basically, yeah, they are regional, so very much northern based. So I think the further north you go, the, the more, colder it is. Well, colder it is, and then more, and also perhaps the more drizzly. What would you would you call drizzle drizzle? I call drizzle drizzle. Okay, I love a lemon drizzle cake, incidentally. But drizzle 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 is rain falling. Yes. Why is it called drizzle? Drizzle. It's probably onomatopoeic. I am not good with the cold. No, I'm, I'm out filming with my friend Sheila, and we've both been wearing thermals. You should get one of those heated waistcoats that Julia Bradbury on Countdown told me about. Oh, tell me more. She showed me about it when she was sitting next to me on Countdown. Well, they're great. You plug them in, charge them overnight, and then you wear them out, and they're heated. They're like, so, you know, on Countdown, Rachel and I have joint custody of a hot water bottle. That is our only rider, is a hot water bottle, because the, the studio is freezing. We're in dresses. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm a cold person. Case of the brass monkeys. Uh, what is the yes. origin of the expression brass monkeys for being freezing cold? Okay. Well, there's a very famous story attached to this one, which is that there is a brass rack, or, or there was a brass rack aboard ships, uh, military ships, um, which was used to stack cannonballs on this rack. And the idea is the balls in extreme cold weather would contract and then would just kind of roll off. So that's the most famous theory. So it would be so cold that these balls would contract to the point where they so would the, fall off the rack. Off the, the origin rack. is 
you know, freezing your balls off. That's- freezing your balls off. Well, actually, probably, yes. That's another story attached to it, which refers to, you know, there's um, the three monkeys. You get them in emojis now. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Um, well, they were quite common, a bit like three ducks on a wall, or however many ducks there are um, on three, a wall. Three. I've got them, madame. Have you? I love them. My <laughs> with your son got last them. Week. Uh, uh, yes, uh, absolutely. I have nothing wrong with avocado. The bee day is avocado coloured. Uh, but we have got the three ducks flying up the wall because my son, many years ago, went to a fair and spent a fortune on the shooting range until he got all three ducks. And we have them and then there he with pride. Yeah. Oh, but I rather like that sort of thing. I like okay, ducks well you flying might... up the wall. I like garden gnomes. Okay. Well, Go you on. might like these three monkeys then, because yes. the idea is that they were they were there, they would be sitting on the mantelpiece as ornaments, and it would be so cold, perhaps, that it would freeze their balls off. That's, that's the other theory. What no. about being on cloud nine? Yes. Just to have to um, interject here that a cloud... Uh, was originally a rock because it goes back to the old English clod. So it's actually linked to a clod of earth. And because of the, the appearance of clouds, they look like sort of little mountains in the sky. It was applied to what we see up there. So clouds are clods in the sky, mm. rocks in the sky, mm. because the Latin word is nimbus, isn't it? it is. And that occurs in lots of words if you are a geographer. Cumulo, nimbus, etc. Yes. So nimbus is the Latin word for cloud, but yes. the word cloud means a rock. And the old word was welkin. Oh, well, I thought Welkin was the world, the it's, top of the world. Yes, it's the heavens as well. So that was kind of then transferred to the expanse above us. But they were called Welkins. And to um, end up on Cloud Nine cloud is to nine. be in heaven, I suppose, on the way yes. to heaven. So it was really popularised by a radio show in the early 50s um, in America called The Johnny Dollar Show. And the hero was um, a fictional insurance investigator and he kept getting into scrapes essentially and every time he was knocked unconscious he was transported to cloud nine and he would recover on cloud nine um but obviously he was picking up on something that was already there in the language but the nine is probably a little bit random because there was also cloud eight where it was defined in one work this in the 1930s as if you're on cloud eight you were befuddled on account of drinking too much liquor um and there was also cloud seven which was thought to be the nearest to heaven Oh. So there were lots of different well, that's kind of rhyming things. So it? it's a bit I'm like Dressed to the seven. Nines. You asked me about Dressed to the Nines in a previous podcast. I think, to be honest, the number may not be too important in this. I mean, some say it's from uh, the International Cloud Atlas from the 1890s. And Cloud Nine, it said, was a cumulo nimbus, that kind of towering fluffy mass in the sky that looks a bit like a cushion. So you would be, you would go up there. But um, again, the jury's out. I think it's just more likely that the number is there. The weather has come into our language in all sorts of ways. One swallow doesn't make a summer. Mm. Yes, I meant to look it's, up and see. It's been well, around for years. I mean, yes. it means probably what it says. Oh, exactly. It? I, I mean, you expect swallows to come to arrive in the summer. And if one comes, doesn't mean to say there is summer automatically going to be there. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it, it's... Um, you know, any more important than that. I'm just looking to see how old it is. Proverb. I remember a story. 1539, and it's from a Greek proverb. So really ancient, this one. And it says here in the 1539, sorry to interrupt. It is not one swallow that bringeth in summer. It is not one good quality that maketh a man good. In other words, one good quality doesn't make you incredibly virtuous. Red sky at night, another thing, that's a proverb, goes back to 1425. And it's it comes actually, it's based on something that was in the Bible. Uh, so you'll find it in um, King James's Bible. When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and lowering. Yes, these are sort of proverbial, aren't they? Yeah, But there, there are other expressions like, oh, he was three sheets to the wind mm. that uses the weather 
but actually is just an expression. What does three sheets of the wind mean? It means drunk, doesn't it? It does, it does. Oh, where's um, that come from? And, um, Nautical again? Yes, it goes back to ships, you're absolutely right. And the sails on board a ship are controlled by ropes that are known as sheets, and they're fixed to the lower corners of the sails to keep them in, uh, in place relative to the wind. And if the sheets come loose, they flap about loosely and they can become completely out of control. It's a little bit like a stumbling drunk is the idea. Three sheets of the wind. Yes. I've been to the Windy City. Which Chicago. is Chicago. Yes. Chicago. I think Media City, I have to say, in Salford should be the Windy City. I mean, you cannot move if you go around the corner into the wind. It's extraordinary. And that's called um, the Windy City simply because it is windy. Absolutely. Um, it is. I have a great weather word for you. Yes. It's one of my favourite words of all time. And it's it's simple, simply a thunderplump. Oh. A thunderplump. A thunderplump. Thunderplump is simply really heavy, fat raindrops accompanied by thunder. Isn't that great? I know a euphemism for a toilet used to be a thunder box. Yes. But that's a different story altogether. That's very different. Thunder so, drops are those drops of rain, those sort of... That's nice, because when you said thunder drop, I thought of thunder box. I'm not liking where this is going. No. And uh, moving swiftly on, we also have thunder snow, which is a new kind of weather description, isn't it? Which is really strange phenomenon where you have heavy snowfall accompanied by a thunderstorm which is really unusual. Well, that's called thunder snow. But talking of, of weather forecasts, I find those really interesting because it's um, weather ease is as full of kind of linguistic inflation, if you like. So, you know, a bit of hyperbole um, as anything else. Have you noticed this? So we'll say we're in for a lot of weather this week. What I've noticed is that as soon as they begin the weather, something in my brain switches off. Oh. And I, I, I watch yeah, it on television. I listen to it. The shipping forecast I love because okay, it's like poetry. Yeah. But the, the, the weather, sort of five to six on the TV or on the radio late at night, I, I, I just, they begin it and they burble away and they talk about these weather fronts moving from here to there and, and they lose me almost instantly. Okay. They give me too much information. It's not the same kind of comfort blanket. Why does that happen to one? Why do, how can you well, turn off? Sometimes their language is quite strange. So an outbreak is quite strange. Outbreaks of rains. Outbreak is quite strange, isn't it? It doesn't sound... And also sunshine may develop. Yeah. Seems a bit old. But I think they're using technical terms that actually mean something to them. I, I, Possibly. I met a weather. I mean, they are extraordinary, what they can remember, because they have no script when they're looking to camera. Oh, and really? And they also don't have a real map behind them, do no, they? No, they're just... Stick- people don't know this. My wife is convinced they've got a real map because they really seem to be pointing yes. to the Isle of Man at the right moment. But, but in not. fact, it's a blue screen or a green screen, isn't it, behind yeah. them? Yeah, And But maybe they can see it out of the corner of their eye on a television but, oh, screen. Monitor, possibly. But it is extraordinary um, how they remember it. And, of course, they are, you know, proper meteorologists. So we, we mustn't diss them, but I think the language is, is quite funny. And they talk about the wet stuff and the white stuff if they want to get really I thought you know, there was drudges. <laughs> I'd like some white stuff. <laughs> um, you know, and the, yeah, storms take aim or packing a punch, that kind of thing. Oh, um, I found it quite interesting, the language really? of What's weather. Pack- packing a punch. If the wind or a storm is going to be packing a punch this week, that's probably quite North American, but you hear that sometimes. I, um, I, I knew a boxer who used to tell jokes. <laughs> they always packed a punch. <laughs> I think it's time for a break. I think it is. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com/audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com/audio. That's carshield.com/audio. So we're heading into autumn, aren't we, which is my favorite favorite time of year. season of mists and meadow fruitfulness mm, I just junky. sunny cold day is my absolute favorite kind of day you know yeah. we used to call autumn fall we did we did yes it's not All american the in origin complaints about the american joe brand i remember famously said what's this? you know what she said i watch series of things not seasons because i'm a grown-up and while we're at it why is autumn called fall because the leaves fall down duh but actually that's what we used to call it so we called autumn fall we used to call it yeah because it is because the leaves fall i think that's quite poetic we talk about spring don't we uh, what's and leaves springing into bud uh, that's what that is all about yeah and yeah, why is summer called summer then? Summer is called summer. That doesn't have any particular. So spring thing. and autumn, from, spring and fall Zomer. are because things are springing up and they're falling yeah. down in spring and autumn. But summer and and winter, what are the yeah. origins of those two? Those are so um, summer is from the German zomer, so it's a word that came over with the Germanic invaders and winter as well. When were um, those Germanic invaders? Oh, they were they were right at the beginning of English. So we had the Germanic invaders with the Angles and the Saxons. Um, coming over with their language. I mean, remember that that we are a complete mismatch. Yeah, so winter is got cognates, as we call them, or, or similar words in Scandinavian, Icelandic, German, you name it. So nothing, nothing to do with actual weather phenomena. Now, there are differences between our language and the American language, and I'm reminded of that because we've had some interesting correspondence this week. Yes. Logan Watkins Great. sends us salutations from Louisiana. Simple question. Why do we in America say Z and most, if not all, of the other English-speaking nations say Z? Sincerely, Logan. P.S. And I'm not inventing this, Susie. P.S. Susie is my current brain crush. Oh, thank you, Logan. I always say that Arsene Wenger is my brain crush. That's well very kind of you. So why do Americans say Z and we say Z? Well, the name given to us... To the letter since the Norman Conquest has been Z. And that oh, literally, since 1066, we've been yes. calling the last letter of the alphabet Z. Yes. So why on earth do the Americans call it Z? Well, it says the name Z, now standard, this is the OED again, my Bible. The, the name Z, now standard in the US, of course, appears to have had some early currency in England, which is quite interesting. So ah. both of them coexisted, as so, so often with the words, that, with the things that we think of as being exclusively um, so American. So both Z and Fall could actually have started here and gone out to America with the Pilgrim Fathers. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, so it's, not, it's nothing to be scared of or to hate because both of them are equally valid. I would say. Um, I've had, yes, yeah. I've had from Adam Cooperman, another American fan. He says, in my country, pudding almost exclusively is used to refer to desserts. And then usually in a chocolate or vanilla or butterscotch variety, i.e. angel delight <laughs> type thing. He says, I know in other parts of the world, there are many more varieties of pudding. I've read that the origins of the word are more closely tied to sausage. So how did it come to mean all these desserts? And why is it used so narrowly in the US? Well, not just narrowly, really. We have black pudding in this country, don't we, which is to do with sausages. But otherwise, we also would use pudding for dessert, I think. I think correctly, if, if I were, as it were, the period advisor on Downton Abbey. You'd say pudding. I would say you 
you don't refer to d- dessert will be is what I don't know if you have at the very end of the meal, maybe when you move to another room, yeah. you would go and have fruit uh, and with your port or Madeira, that yeah. would be dessert. Mm-hmm. But the dish at the last course of the meal is called a pudding always. Mm. Mm. So even if it's an ice cream, it's a pudding. Well, Adam is absolutely right that it does have a connection with sausage because puddings were originally entirely savoury and it does go back to boudin, which in French is a black sausage, and it's weirdly linked to botulism as well because both of those have an ancient ancestor in the Latin botulus, meaning sausage. So it's come quite away, the word pudding. Stuart Salmon says, Susie and Giles, I love the podcast, thank you, and thought I would ask you if you have ever seen the word dude used for a horse's penis. I have heard it... <laughs> I'm going to burst out laughing again. I have heard it somewhere, but no, I have no idea where. Is there any evidence of this, or do I just make a weird connection between dudes and massive knobs? Stew. You'll be relieved to know, Susie, that Stew does not have a crush of any kind on you. <laughs> but he seems interested in the notion that a nickname or euphemism for a horse's penis is dude. No evidence, I'm pleased to say, in the dictionary. This may may be in the slang dictionary. Certainly nothing that I have ever heard of. It's probably shortened from um, doodle, which meant a dandy or a fop, a Yankee doodle dandy. I've never heard it used in that context. So a doodle is a euphemism for a horse's penis. (laughs) No, I, I will keep investigating, which is what I say to anybody who comes up with it question that I don't know the answer for. We will do some more research on very, very curious. the horse's penis. Yes. Uh, true story. Many years ago, I used to work oh, with no. a lovely actor scary. called Derek Nimmo. Mm. Do you remember Derek Nimmo? I did. In, fact, in the early days of Countdown, yeah. Derek was a regular. Uh, not on with me, but uh, no, before, before your time. time. Yeah. Before your time. He was a lovely man. And in the early days of Countdown, in Dictionary Corner, there were people like me, Derek Nimmo, Russell Harty, uh, Kenneth Williams, all these people no longer with us. Derek was a, a, a comedy actor and a delightful person. And he and I, I was publishing books in those days, we did a number of books together. And we did one book with Derek about animals. And he was photographed for the front cover with a zebra. And we went down to a animal safari park and had photographs taken of Derek Nimmo with the zebra and got some brilliant shots. But of course, the photographer had been concentrating on Derek and the zebra's head. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until we got back to the studio, photographs were blown up for the cover, Derek Nimmo with a zebra, and the zebra had oh. the biggest erection you have ever seen. I'm sorry. I mean, it was massive. And what were we to do? Um, they, they, what they did, the publishers, they published the book uh, with this zebra on the cover, with this massive... And then every book had a little sticker put over it saying, Derek Nimmo's latest. So if you've got a copy of the book and you just think, oh, well, oh, it's Derek Nimmo and a zebra, peel off the sticker and underneath it you will see something that you're not likely to see again unless you are an excited lady zebra. How do we get from weather onto zebras? Are we doing weather today? Schlongs. No, it was because of the okay. fellow asking about the horse's penis. I have a letter. Thanks, Naomi Cook, for rescuing us out of a very tricky situation. She says she's back in Blighty, having binge listened to our podcast, which is nice. She, um, well, first of all, asked where Blighty comes from. And it was something that we think soldiers who've been working in India 
uh, brought back you know to England when they returned home it goes back to a Hindi phrase um, used by soldiers overseas as I say during the first world war and it was Vilyati which is um, Urdu actually and it meant a foreigner it was the foreign land for the soldiers who were there and maybe a little bit homesick. Um, so that's where Blighty comes from. And she also says, I've always been of the understanding that the reason Macbeth, referring to one of our earlier podcasts, wasn't said in the theatre was that it was a play only rolled out when a company was on its uppers. And so it was bad luck because it was mentioned when money was tight and you might not be paid, um, which is really interesting. I didn't know that theory. She also asked, um, Naomi also asked what uppers are, and essentially it means that the soles of your shoes are so sort of worn out and downtrodden, literally, um, that you were on the upper part of your shoes. But that's interesting about Macbeth. I haven't heard that. And of course, I did mention the theatrical phrase, when the ghost walks, meaning when the ghost walks in Hamlet, that's when a, that's when an actor will be paid. But anyway, thanks, Naomi, for writing in, and I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast. We, we have said this. It really means a lot to us for people to write in, doesn't it? And we do read all of them. We do read all the emails, um, even if we can't get to every single one. John Horrocks has asked me, what gives you the, the word is W-E-T-H-E-R. What is W-E-T-H-E-R? As in bellwether. W-E-T-H-E-R. Yeah. It's a bad spell of weather. Oh, that's a little joke. Okay. Thank it's you. Also, do you know, me being me and so gullible, I was going to say it's a castrated ram, which is what a bellwether is. A, is oh. a sheep, really, more generally, with a bell hung around its neck. So when so people talk about a bellwether... Leads the flock. Well, a bellwether being a warning. What, well, a, a bellwether is something that, the, yes, it's a harbinger, but not necessarily of doom. It's, it's a sort of um, something that leads on to other things. These rams had bells hung around their neck, the bellwethers, and they would lead the flock. So it's something that kind of leads into other things. Have we got time for your triple? Susie's triple. The idea of the podcast, if you're new to us, thank you very much for being here, is we're exploring the world of words. We love language and we like to encourage people to use words to their fullest effect. That's what this is all about. And um, I'm here (laughs) basically trying to learn at the the feet of Susie Dent. And you're very kindly waffling while I go through my notes. What's the origin of waffling? To waffle, I'm sure goes back to um, just the sound of someone, you know, just rabbiting on. So but is I'm that very a, grateful for you. Is waffling an on. onomatopoeic word? Yes, I think it is. I think I'm lucky to be known as a waffler because many oh, yeah. years ago I advertised uh, waffles for who oh, was yeah, it? That's different. That comes from the um, Dutch, uh, basically, or French, gaufre or gouffre, gouffre, which means a waffle. Um, well, and anyway. It went po- by Dutch. But it. the point is they got me because they thought yeah. I was a waffler, you see. Oh. Oh, so nice. it was the waffler promoting waffles. I love waffles. Walls is waffles. Walls is waffles. If they'd like to advertise with us, we do have room in our podcast. Walls I is think. waffles. I could do the commercial all over again. They so it's a dialect waffle. word. It comes from waff, W-A-F-F, which was to yelp if you were a puppy. And yes, it was onomatopoeic. That's the, that's the etymology of waffle. But I'm not here to talk about waffling or zebras at this point. Can you give you three, three words? Actually, my first word means something too odious to be spoken of, uh, and that is nefandus. Um, P-H or N-E, F? N-E-F, yeah. nefandus, um, N-E-F-A-N-D-O-U-S. And it's from the Latin, of course, meaning wicked or abominable. Speaking of that zebra again, unfortunately, it might have had a new one talent in life. That might have been it. In which case, it was monodynamic. <laughs> My, can I say, if you see this picture, you'll feel monodynamic is what that word, uh, that, actually, it is nefandus. The picture is nefandus. And what the zebra was up to was indeed monodynamic. Yes. Yeah. 
Having one and one talent only. What? And it was quite a talent because the photo session must have lasted an hour. And all the pictures had this huge erection. It's amazing. It's obviously stayed with you for a long time, this child. Um, what you might need at the end of this podcast, a friend to go to the pub with ah. and to uh, forget about it all. And that would be a pot panion. A companion oh, that goes that. down to the pub with you is a pot panion. A pot, because you're sharing a pot together. Yes. A pot being like a pint of beer. Yes. It sounds like a modern blend, but actually it's a it's pot panion. A pot panion. It, that's curiously, um, it's like what we call portmanteau words, where two words are put exactly, into one. Exactly, exactly. But does it predate 1580, Victorian? 1580. Wow. So they've had portmanteau words since the 1580s. Yes, they've been around for a long panion. time. A pot panion. Well, look, you are my pot panion. We Thank might you. go down to the local for a pint. Let's do that. You can have shandy. I'll have my usual ginger beer. Okay. And I hope you'll join us again next week. We usually come on air every Tuesday, but you can pop in at any time. And there are a couple of dozen back numbers. So feel free to listen to us in the past. If you enjoyed us, uh, renew, review us or rate us to help spread the word. If you've got a question you'd like to answer, you'd just like to get in touch, you can email us at purple at something else.com. If you have pictures of your animals in a state <laughs> no, of arousal. Do not send them in. Do not send them in. This but is not that kind of a podcast. I feel like we've only skirted the, if that's no, we've, we've touched the surface of weather. So if anybody has any weather words that they particularly hate or love, please also send those in so that we can add those to the list. Something Rise with Purple is a something else production produced by Paul Smith with additional production from Lawrence Bassett, Steve Ackerman and... Gully. Gully? Oh, he's over there. He's on Googling the zebra. It's Z E. It, yeah, zebra. Z. Z, not Z. Oh, well, anyway. Oh, I love it, him. <laughs>